Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. Make haste, O God, to deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Alleluia. The true God, one in three, and three in one. O come, let us worship him. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving, and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great King above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth, the strength of the hills is his also. It is his, and he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture and the sheep of His hand. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. As it was in the beginning, Never shall be world without end. Amen. The true God, one in three and three in one. O come, let us worship him.
O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph. For the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great king over all the earth. He shall subdue the people under us and the nations under our feet. Sing praises to God, sing praises. Sing praises unto our God, sing praises. For God is the king of all the earth. Sing ye praises with understanding. God reigneth over the heathen. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Ghost, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O clap your hands, all ye people, shout unto God with the voice of triumph, for the Lord Most High is terrible. He is a great King over all the earth. The Old Testament lesson for the seventh Sunday after Trinity is written in the second chapter of Genesis, beginning at the seventh verse. The Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. The Lord God planted a garden eastward, in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had favored. Out of the ground the Lord God made every tree to grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food, including the tree of life in the middle of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it was parted and became the source of four rivers. The name of the first is Pishon. It flows through the whole land of Havilah, and there is gold, and the gold of that land is good. Delium and onyx stone are also there. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is the same river that flows through the whole land of Cush. The name of the third river is Hittichel that is, the Tigris. This is the one that flows in front of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to cultivate and keep it. The Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely eat of every tree of the garden, but you shall not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day you eat of it, you will surely die. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. The epistle is written in the sixth chapter of Romans, beginning at the nineteenth verse. Brothers, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For as you presented your members as servants to uncleanness and to wickedness upon wickedness, even so now present your members as servants to righteousness for sanctification. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What fruit then did you have at that time in the things of which you are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. But now, being made free from sin and having become servants of God, you have your fruit of sanctification and the result of eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Thanks be to God. Come, ye children, hearken unto me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. They looked unto him and were lightened, and their faces were not ashamed. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. O clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Alleluia. The Holy Gospel is according to St. Mark, the 8th chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. In those days, when there was a very great multitude, and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to himself and said to them, 
I have compassion on the multitude, because they have stayed with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away fasting to their home, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come a long way. His disciples answered him, From where could one satisfy these people with bread here in a deserted place? He answered them, How many loaves do you have? They said, Seven. He commanded the multitude to sit down on the ground, and he took the seven loaves. Having given thanks, he broke them and gave them to his disciples to serve, and they served the multitude. They had a few small fish. Having blessed them, he said to serve these also. They ate and were filled. They took up seven baskets of broken pieces that were left over. Those who had eaten were about four thousand. Then he sent them away. Here ends the gospel. Praise be to thee, O Christ. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Lord, I have loved the habitation of thy house and the place where thine honor dwelleth. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Ghost. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Over the last two years in our nation, racial tensions have been especially high. Yet even before the summer of 2020, they still weren't all that good. Now why that is, well, everyone has an opinion on the history and the politics and so on, which they argue. Although one thing is for sure. Whatever racial tensions there are, stems from the dark history of slavery in our nation's history. When people saw other men as their property and less than human. When people saw them that way instead of seeing them as being created in the image of God. And slavery has been known around the world since the fall. We see that with the Israelite slaves in Egypt. We see that in Paul's day when we read the book of Philemon. We see that in the many slave trades known in all the lands over the thousands and thousands of years after that. Slavery was not part of the original creation. It's a perversion of sin in how man sees his fellow man as less than human. Now, antebellum slavery, which is our nation's history, was an especially evil kind of slavery. But still, it's an evil that's been around for millennia. It horrifies us, as it should, and it's been around since the fall which is why today's epistle is so startling, because Paul calls all of us slaves, even in relation to Christ, he says we're slaves, saying, I am speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. In other words, here in this part of the epistle, Paul is not going to speak in heavenly terms. He's going to speak in the language and understanding of us fallen men. He's going to point to something grotesque in our fallen world to explain that which is divine and comforting. And that grotesque thing to which Paul points to today is slavery. Even if it's difficult for us to know how anything divine or of comfort can come from it, Paul's going to do just that. But Paul will use the idea of slavery to point to something of Christ and higher than ourselves. Now, many might think here that Paul is saying, 
or the point that Paul is trying to make is that everybody is a slave to sin. That is, everybody must serve something or somebody, whether that is sin or Christ. And with that understanding, no one can escape that they serve somebody. And we know that to be true. We see this in the first commandment. You shall have no other gods. This teaches us that everybody has a God. Everybody has that which they worship and serve and from which they expect every good thing. And so the point that everybody serves somebody, everybody is a slave to somebody or something, that's true. And Paul makes that exact point here earlier in Romans. In fact, just a few verses before today's reading. That's the point Paul makes. You either serve sin or you serve Christ. But everybody serves something or somebody. Yet here in today's verses, Paul is going deeper in on that point. It's not just that everyone is a slave to sin or to righteousness. Here Paul makes us consider the level of devotion and sacrifice a slave has to his master. And consider this. A slave doesn't own himself, doesn't work for himself, doesn't control his work or his schedule. Instead, a slave, as Paul has in mind here, a slave completely submits to his master and sacrifices all he has to his master. Even the members of his own body and all his time, he sacrifices all of it to his master. Not necessarily willingly, but he still does this. And that is what Paul is pointing out in slavery here. It's the total submission, the total devotion, the total sacrifice of the self to the master. And if you want to see an example of this total submission and devotion, this slavery of which Paul talks about, today you don't have to look into history to see it. Instead, look at today's gospel and hear how our Lord describes those who followed him. In the gospel, that great crowd followed our Lord and gathered around him in the unlivable wilderness, in the desert. They spent three whole days with him there, to the point of running out of food, running out of energy, running out of health. Our Lord says if he sent them away, they would faint. And if they faint in that heat, the assumption is they would die. Especially if they traveled from faraway places, which he said they did. And in the gospel, look at how these slaves, that great crowd, look at how these slaves followed their master. They sacrificed their time three whole days. They sacrificed their wealth and food to the point that between all those 4,000 men, all that was left of food was seven loaves and a few fish. That's it. They sacrificed their wealth and food to be there. And as Paul says, they presented their members. That is, they sacrificed their entire bodies, their whole selves, to remain out in the wilderness, in the desert, with our Lord, to the point of death. And why? Because they were his slaves. He was their master. They devoted their entire selves to gather together around our Lord to gather around him together and to listen to his word. They devoted themselves to this even to the point of fainting and, most likely, death from hunger and heat. One of the disciples asked, How can one feed these people with bread here in this desolate place? 
And when you look at the story in the gospel, not one person even thought to ask that question of themselves until our Lord forced the question. So that's what Paul is highlighting with the concept of slavery, this complete submission, sacrifice, and devotion that we see in that great crowd in the desert. Yet then Paul points out a second thing for us to consider about slavery. The master, the one whom the slave serves. And there Paul says, When you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. But what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed? The end of those things is death. Now, consider, Paul is saying, who your master was when you were, before baptism, slaves to sin. Consider that, who your master was before your baptism. That is when you sacrificed yourselves and your members and your bodies to impurity, Paul says. When you devoted yourselves to lawlessness, that is, to depravity, which only sunk you into more depravity. When you submitted to sin by producing the vile fruit of sin over and over, the fruit of hatred and sharp tongues, lewdness and cheating business partners, backbiting and conniving for what you didn't have but felt you deserved. There is an end to all that fruit. You could say there is a completion, a finish, a fulfillment, or even a culmination of all that vile fruit in serving sin. And that culmination is death. In fact, Paul says, for the submission and sacrifice and devotion to sin, the wages of sin is death. Wages are the payment for that which is earned. Before baptism, what we earned in sacrifice and devotion to sin was death. Consider that the culmination of all that vile fruit is death. What pride can there be in serving such a master as sin? In death, there is no pride. There's only shame. Because death is the wage received in the end. And really, in a life devoted to sin... Death isn't just what's received at the end. It's a paycheck paid throughout all of life. Sin throughout life darkens our reason, blunts our conscience, numb and kills our emotions and soul, as one theologian put it. All that is what it means to fall further and further into depravity. It slowly kills us until death, the final wage, is paid death of body and soul. So then again, consider the master which is sin. He is a tyrant. There is no worse slavery than that which serves sin, for it will never release its slave from its abyss. And the only only reward is death. Yet before baptism, that's who we served. Look out in the world. And you'll see many who serve it still, even gleefully. But that's not who you, the baptized, serve now. And on that, Paul says, But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves of God. The fruit you get leads to sanctification and its end, eternal life. Paul is saying, Consider 
who your master is now in baptism. Actually, let's hear from our master himself in our gospel lesson today and how he speaks of his slaves who sacrificed everything in devotion to him in the wilderness. Our Lord said, I have compassion on the crowd because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. Did you hear what the master just said about his slaves? I have compassion on them. Throughout the history of the world since the fall, what master has ever looked at his slaves and said, I have compassion on them? None. Until Christ himself said these words about the crowds in the wilderness. And he doesn't say them just about the crowds. He also says these words about you who are baptized, who are slaves of righteousness, who are following him in this desolate world. He says, I have compassion on them. He's saying, I have compassion on you. So much so did he have compassion that he took our meager flesh and came down from heaven incarnate of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary to join us in this desolate place. So much did he have compassion on you that he took all your vile fruit of hatred and lewdness and cheating and backbiting and conniving and took them into himself. He took into himself our depravity of which we know no end. He took into himself that which darkens our reason, blunts our conscience, numbs and kills our emotions and souls. He took all of that from us. He took all of that which makes us completely depraved sinners. He took all of that to the cross where he became sin for us. And becoming sin for us, he took all our paychecks of this fruit and received the ultimate wage that we deserved, the wage of our submission and devotion and sacrifice to sin. He took all of that. He took death. He took the final wage, which is ours, and received that payment in full for you. In baptism, we are baptized into our Lord's death and into our Lord's resurrection. We are baptized into him in those three days, from Good Friday to Easter morning. As you are baptized into our Lord in those three days, what does our Lord say? What does he say about you who are baptized, waiting for your resurrection? He says, I have compassion on them, because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. What master looks at his slaves and says, I see them in desolation. I want to feed them. I want to die to become their master and to feed them. Well, this master does. This master says that. This Lord says that. As we are baptized and gathered around our Lord in this desolate place, waiting for that third day of our resurrection, our Lord looks at you and greatly desires to feed you. And what does he do? He takes from us a meager offering of bread and wine. He gives thanks, and then tells you to recline at the rail and gives you his body and blood, feeds you his body and blood. From his one body, he feeds all his slaves who gather around him the world over, where they may all eat and be satisfied where there is always an unending abundance of this divine food for you to come and eat of every Sunday. 
He feeds you. Again, Paul says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He says the gift of God, what you receive in baptism, what you receive in the gathering around his word to hear it, what is received in the gathering where he has compassion on us and feeds us miraculously, it is a gift, not anything we earn. It is a gift of God. And that gift is eternal life in Christ, who died and rose again to become our master, our Lord. What we earned for ourselves, well, Christ took for us and defeated it. But everything here in the church, which our Lord died to give you, is a gift. Christ does not become our master, and we do not receive this gift because of our submission or our sacrifice or our devotion. Rather, because Christ has freed us from the tyrant of sin, because he has become our compassionate master, because we have received all this as a gift from him, as a result of all this, we submit to him. We sacrifice for him and each other. We give him our complete devotion. All that he has given us is a gift. Our sacrifice, our devotion stem from it. Consider your master who is Christ. He is compassionate. There is no better slavery than that which serves Christ and is actually truly free in him because he saved us from the abyss. This is who we serve now. Look into the history of the church and you will see countless numbers of saints, of Christ's slaves, who sacrificed for our Lord and their brothers in the faith and ask, as you look at those examples in our lives here, ask yourself, why would we not want to sacrifice our time, our Sunday mornings gathered around the Word together, or our mornings and evenings throughout the week in prayer, where we daily hear the Word and die in baptism and rise again in baptism as the new man, daily doing that? Why would we not want to sacrifice our time to do that? Why would we not want to sacrifice our wealth and food for others, which He has put around us? so that they may serve the same master we do, so that they may also be free. Why would we not want to sacrifice our bodies and selves in loving service to our brothers in Christ and to our neighbor? When we know we will also rise one day and they may rise with us. Why would we not want to submit and sacrifice all that we have and be in total devotion to our master who died to be our master? To give that to our master who has been so compassionate to us and promises to be compassionate still even to eternity. Because if we continue in devotion to him in this desolate place, even to the point of death, we know what he will do. He will feed us in that great feast to come of which we participate in here at the altar at the Lord's Supper. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.
O Lord, have mercy upon us. O Christ, have mercy upon us. O Lord, have mercy upon us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. O God, whose never-failing providence orders all things both in heaven and on earth, we humbly beseech you to put away from us all hurtful things, and to give us those things which be profitable for us. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Almighty and most merciful God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we give you thanks for all your goodness and tender mercies, especially for the gift of your dear Son and for the revelation of your will and grace. And we beseech you so to implant your word in us that, in good and honest hearts, we may keep it and bring forth the fruits of faith by patient continuance and well-doing. Most heartily we beseech you so to rule and govern your church Catholic with all her pastors and ministers, that we may be preserved in the pure doctrine of your saving word, whereby faith toward you may be strengthened, love and charity increased in us toward all mankind, and your kingdom extended. Send forth laborers into your harvest, and sustain those whom you have sent, that the word of reconciliation may be proclaimed to all people, and the gospel preached in all the world. Grant health and prosperity to all who are in authority, especially to Joseph, our President, the Congress of these United States, Kim, our Governor, the Legislature of this State, and to all our judges and magistrates, and endue them with grace to rule after your good pleasure, to the maintenance of righteousness, and to the hindrance and punishment of wickedness, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. May it please you also to turn the hearts of our enemies and adversaries, that they may cease their enmity and hostilities, and be inclined to walk with us in meekness and in peace. All who are in trouble, want, sickness, anguish of labor, peril of death, or any other adversity, especially those who are in suffering for your name's sake, comfort, O God, with your Holy Spirit, that they may receive and acknowledge their afflictions as the manifestation of your fatherly will. Especially do we pray for those that we name in our hearts at this time. Although we have deserved your righteous wrath and manifold punishments, yet we entreat you, O most merciful Father, remember not the sins of our youth nor our many transgressions, but out of your unspeakable goodness, grace, and mercy, defend us from all harm and danger of body and soul. Preserve us from false and pernicious doctrine, from war and bloodshed, from plague and pestilence, from all calamity by fire and water, from hail and tempest, from failure of harvest and from famine, from anguish of heart and despair of your mercy, and from an evil death. And in every time of trouble, 
show yourself a very present help, the Savior of all men, and especially of them that believe. Cause all needed fruits of the earth to prosper, that we may enjoy them in due season. Give success to the Christian training of the young, to all lawful occupations on land, sea, and air, and to all pure arts and useful knowledge, and crown them with your blessing. Receive, O God, our bodies and souls and all our talents, together with the offerings we bring before you. For by his blood your Son has purchased us to be your own, that we may live under him in his kingdom. As we are strangers and pilgrims on earth, help us by true faith and a godly life to prepare for the world to come, doing the work you have given us to do while it is day, before the night comes when no one can work. And when our last hour shall come, support us by your power and receive us into your everlasting kingdom. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin, neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. O Lord, our Heavenly Father, almighty and everlasting God, who has safely brought us to the beginning of this day, defend us in the same with thy mighty power and grant that this day we fall into no sin neither run into any kind of danger, but that all our doings, being ordered by thy governance, may be righteous in thy sight. Through the same Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Ghost, ever one God, world without end. Amen. We give thanks unto thee, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, thy dear Son, that thou hast protected us through the night from all danger and harm. And we beseech thee to preserve and keep us this day also from all sin and evil, that in all our thoughts, words, and deeds we may serve and please thee. Into thy hands we commend our bodies and our souls and all that is ours. Let thy holy angel have charge concerning us, that the wicked one have no power over us. Amen. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come unto thee. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, be with us all. Amen.